Welcome to the Nations Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Who loves Pastor Shan and Tam? <laughs> so cool, so cool. Um, Tam's full of stories. I can verify all of those stories. <laughs> She's been around for a lot of years. She has not aged one day. You look at photos of Tam from 15 years ago, she looks exactly the same. I'm like, what are you using, girl? I want some of that. (laughs) Hey, I wonder if you could join me in saying hello to our Phnom Penh family who are streaming the English service. Hello, Phnom Penh. Come on, a bit more enthusiastic than that, Myrie. Our family in Phnom Penh today. Joining us for the stream, huge hello to you. I thought it was just gonna be dinner with Pastor Kent. I was going to make a joke saying, I'm going to sign up, dinner with Pastor Ken. (laughs) Sounds good. But apparently I'm coming too. So look forward to having dinner with you, whoever you are. So good. Um, I also bring you greetings from our nation's church family in Cork Island. I know, right? We've, uh, We've been going there, well, today. When they wake up, they're still in the middle of the night, but today it will be their fourth Sunday, which is cool. And I've just returned uh, on Tuesday from spending um, two weeks in Europe, um, and I spent their second Sunday and their third Sunday there with the Cork family, which was amazing. It is so exciting to see the work begin, amen? Don't despise the day of small beginnings for the Lord delights to see the work begin and He is so faithful and it's so special to um, witness all that God is doing over there. And, um, you know, as much as we joke about Pastor Shannon, Pastor Tam, it is so uh, poignant, I think, what they're bringing our attention to in this whole area of serving. And today I want to take you to the Word. I want to together have a biblical look at this whole area. And I've called this message, The Selfless Life. Turn to your neighbour and say, The Selfless Life. The Selfless Life. Or alternate title, The Less Self Life. You know, it depends what you fancy. But let me start by taking you to our culture, which Hannah read on the news just now. So if Nations Church is your home church, you know that we have eight cultures. And the first four cultures are everything that the Lord wants to do in us. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but the first four cultures are about what God does in us. And the second four cultures are those things that the Lord wants to do through us. And I like the balance because the Christian life is not one or the other, it's both. Amen? It's both. The work that God does in us is very important. It is. Undoubtedly, very important what the Lord wants to do in us. But if that's where it ends, if it never translates to our work through us, then we're very quickly going to get out of balance, yeah? Yeah. We're very quickly become something other than what Christ intended for His disciples to be. So with that in mind, let's read this sixth culture of ours here at Nations. And it says this, it says, We're about serving Jesus and His church powerful statement. We lead and serve selflessly. We give generously and we desire excellence. What? It's a very noble statement, isn't it? It's it's like quite a grand statement. But like all of our cultures, we have not yet attained any of them perfectly. Give me a wave if you feel you've attained this perfectly. 
No, absolutely not. None of us have. We, and, it, and it's the same with all of our cultures. We're not perfectly about faith. We're not perfectly about authenticity. We're not perfectly about wholeness. So in some respect, we are already about these things. But in another respect, we acknowledge we're still on a journey of becoming these things. Amen? They're actual, but they're also aspirational. And when we apply that thinking to this culture, when we say we're about serving Jesus and His church, when we say we, we lead and serve selflessly, then it's incumbent upon you and upon me as disciples to ask, well, is that true of me? Am I about serving Jesus and His church? Am I about leading and serving selflessly? If we were to ask that question of ourselves and do some reflection, our answers in this room would be many and varied. They would be all over the place, but I think perhaps something that we could all agree on is that we had room to grow. We had room to improve in this area because selfless living is not what comes naturally to any of us. Is that not true? To love and serve God and others is not necessarily our default. When Jesus was asked by the expert in the law, Pharisee, Sadducee, something like that, He was asked the question, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus didn't hesitate. He answers in Matthew 22, we read from verse 37, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. And Jesus went on to say, on these two commandments hang the whole law and all the prophets. Like if you fulfil these two perfectly, then all the other commandments are gonna take care of themselves. And in modern vernacular, we have come to summarise these words from Jesus here in Matthew 22, as simply we put it like this, love God and love people. Who's heard that? Love God and love people. The essence of the law and the prophets is to love God and love people. And what Jesus perfectly modelled for us during the time of His incarnation was this life of loving God and loving people. Love God, love people. So this God and others life is and was and always has been the life that Christ has intended for you and I to live. Do I have a loud amen? Here's the thing though, the God and others life, although it's what Christ intends for us, this God and others life has always had an arch enemy. The God and others' life since the fall of man has always been under threat from a sneaky little thing called self. Self. Nothing's gonna steal your focus away from loving and serving God, loving and serving people like a disproportionate focus on yourself. Self is that thing that we all wrestle with. We all do. If we're not careful though, that self-focus will steal our attention away from the God and others' life we're called to. And an unhealthy self-focus can manifest in us in many, 
many different ways. Some of those ways are blatant and, and obvious and we're very aware of those things. But others of, other of those ways are a lot more subtle, a lot more insipid, a lot more uh, sneaky, not blatant at all. Like these days in our society, we're surrounded by selfie culture. You know that's what I say when I say selfie culture, where this self-focus can quickly turn into a self-obsession, can quickly turn into even narcissistic behaviour. And that is clearly a blatant deviation from the God and others' life that Christ is calling us to. But I want you to reflect on perhaps more subtle expressions of self-focus. What about being self-made? What about being self-sufficient? What about self-promoting? Like I make my own path. I'm the master of my own destiny. What about things like self-love and self-care and self-affirming and self-satisfaction in unhealthy doses? They're gonna put me at the center of everything. They're gonna create me as my own number one where I continually prioritize my own needs as greater than those of the needs of those around me. What about self-consciousness? What about self-awareness? I, like I'm full of thoughts about myself. How do I look? How do I come across? What's my re- reputation like? What's my image look like? How do I sound? Am I liked? All those sorts of things. What about self-limitations? Self-deprecation, self-reducing, low self-esteem. I'm not enough. I can't do it. I this, I that. And on and on we could go with the many and varied ways that we can find ourselves either consciously or subconsciously, willingly or unwillingly consumed with self. And whether they're blatant or they're subtle or it's willing or it's unwilling or it's self-inflating or self-deprecating, it actually doesn't matter because any type of unhealthy focus on self will prove to be the direct opposite of the God and others life that Christ is calling us to. Am I making sense to you today? I'm speaking from experience. I've had to go on long and sometimes painful journeys of putting off myself. I've had many and varied manifestations of being overly focused on myself. I've had to put them off in order to embrace the God and others' life that He has called me to. I remember relatively recently looking in the mirror and lamenting my aging. I'm 45. I've got more wrinkles than I would like. I was like looking at my neck skin. It's like, oh, this is what that's about. You know? And, and, and I was becoming overly self-aware. Is it all right if I'm real today? You know, I was becoming overly self-aware and I thought many women my age are, are getting Botox. So maybe it's time to go and find a great Botox clinician, you know? Maybe that's my solution. But the Holy Spirit in that moment said to me a very pointed thing. He said, Chrissy, do you want to look good or do you want to love good? I was like, Holy Spirit, can I have both? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but what he was showing me is that subtly I was being sucked in. I was being sucked into an undue obsession with myself 
a life that Jesus did not design me for. I've been designed for a God and others life. I'm at my best when I'm living a God and others life, amen? At that same time, I remember having an amazing revelation that my physical eyes were actually prophesying to me. And that might sound a little bit weird to you, but I believe our physical bodies, which God Himself created, I believe our physical bodies prophesy to us all the time. Are we not called the body of Christ? Does the Scripture not talk about our many members? My physical body right now is prophesying to us of the way we all ought to interact as the body of Christ. You understand? My blood right now, your blood right now, is prophesying to you about the blood of Christ. Did you know that? Like your heart's beating and your blood is touching every single cell of your body. And if the blood doesn't touch it, it dies. Your blood right now is bringing life to you in the form of oxygen. And what's more, it's taking away from you waste and toxins and things that will be harmful to you. Does that not prophesy of the blood of Christ? What the blood does naturally in our body, Jesus does spiritually. And then I had this revelation that also in the same manner, my physical eyes are prophesying to me as well. Because at any given point in time, I can take in the beauty of God's creation around me. I can take in wonders and beauty as far as the eye can see. Also, at any given point in time, I can take in a multitude of others. I can see all of your beautiful faces. I can take in so many others. The one thing that I can't see readily at any given point in time is myself. I can see all of you right now, but I can't see me. To see myself, I need an aid. To see myself, I need to pull out a mirror. I need to open up the camera on my phone. And I had this thought that my physical eyes are actually speaking to me about appropriate waiting. How much attention should I give to myself versus how much attention should I give to God and others? And I don't want you to mishear me today. The mirror isn't bad. We all need the mirror. We all need a degree of self-reflection, a degree of self-focus, a degree of self awareness, we all probably would look in the mirror at least once a day and that is completely appropriate. <laughs> but if we live in front of the mirror, then I've got a problem, am I right? If I'm constantly with the camera open on my phone in a selfie posture, then I actually have a problem, amen? And if that waiting shifts, I believe as in the natural, so in the spirit, so in the realm of the soul. And if the waiting shifts, suddenly the bulk of my attention is directed towards self at the expense of God and others, then I believe that that is a deviation from the life that Christ is calling me to. And this hyper self-focused life, I don't think it's just a small problem I think it's a large problem. I would say that it's even a strategic, even demonic assignment to get God's people to abandon the God assignment for their lives. 
It was actually part of the bait that Satan used to try and tempt Jesus in the wilderness. He tried to get Jesus to focus on himself. You remember when the wilderness time, when the devil comes to tempt Jesus with all sorts of temptations, he says, Jesus, you know, tell these stones to become bread. Remember that? Jesus, throw yourself down from here. Jesus, just worship me and you will gain for yourself a kingdom. Embedded into those temptations from Satan to Jesus was this lure for Jesus to look away from his God and others calling, from him to look away from his um, responsivity to the will of the Father and his focus on you and I and start to focus on himself. Embedded into those temptations was like, Jesus, look after yourself. Jesus, feed yourself. Jesus, meet your own need. Jesus, prove yourself, protect yourself, promote yourself, exalt yourself. All of these sorts of things. It was a temptation to abandon the will of his Father and just start to make his own way. And I believe that same temptation can be chronically before you and me. I believe the enemy hasn't changed his tune. He doesn't have new tricks. The enemy baits us all the time in the same way that he tried to bait Jesus to get us to buy into unhealthy degrees of self-focus, unhealthy degrees of self-interest, and in doing so, abandon our high calling to a God and others' life. So how do we, how do we, like Jesus, resist the temptation towards self and actually enter into a selfless life? How do we, you and I here today, how do we fulfill our God and others' assignment? And I believe that Jesus gives us some clues on how to do that in the book of Luke chapter 9. We're going to read together from verse 23. Then he said to them all, Jesus speaking, whoever, so that includes all of us, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. I love this verse so much. What an amazing, life-giving verse. This is Discipleship 101, people. This is Discipleship 101. This statement from Jesus really embodies the essence of what it is to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. He said, people, there's something you need to die to. He says, deny yourself and take up your cross. Do you know they're not two different phrases, they're not two different thoughts, they're two different ways of saying the exact same thing. And that thing we need to deny, that thing we need to die to is this tendency towards a self-interested, self-consumed life. And Jesus said, you don't just die to it once. You don't just die to self one and done. This is something that you have to do daily. 
daily because it has a sneaky way. This self-interest, this self-focus, this self-awareness and all those other self-expressions, they have a sneaky way of creeping their way back into our thoughts, back into our behaviours, back into our actions. They'll find a way to dominate if we're not careful and it's that daily discipline to put off self and to follow Jesus. We follow Him. Is that not what He said? Follow me. Follow Jesus who was perpetually about God and others. We follow Jesus who always had the will of His Father in sight and not His own. We follow Jesus. We follow Him who was always thinking about you and He was always thinking about me and He was not thinking about Himself. We follow in His way. We follow in His manner. And this is the essence of discipleship. And when we approach this command here from Luke chapter 9, when we come to it with a posture of obedience, we find that that obedience comes with a promise. I'm grateful for the promise. It comes with a promise because, yes, there is a life to lose, but also there is a life to find. There is something to die to, but also there is something to be possessed. Glory to God. Jesus says, if you hold on to your self-made life, if you hold on to your self-bound life, well, you're going to lose something. You're going to actually lose your best life. You can hold on to it if you want, but it's going to be at the expense of entering into the best life, the eternal life, the true life that Jesus actually has in store for you. But the opposite is true. If you die to your self-life, if you let it go, (laughs) the self-consciousness, let it go. The self-awareness, let it go. The self-promotion, let it go. Let all the self go and embrace that God and others' life that He is calling you to. And in doing so, the kingdom promise is that that kind of obedience, as you lose it, you will find it. As you deny yourself, you will find yourself. Jesus was not being mean, He was being liberating. He was being liberating. He's like, you want to find life? Do you want to find life? Do you want to find real life, true life? This is how you find your life. I'm telling you, this is how you find your life. In losing it, you're going to find it. In losing it, you're going to find it. So often we're guilty of looking for life in all the wrong places. We're looking for fulfilment. We're looking for contentment. We're looking for excitement. We're looking for all these things. And we do so by pursuing our self-interest. We do so by filling up on self-focus. But Jesus actually tells us that true life is not found in those places. On the recent trip to Ireland, (laughs) I got into Ireland late on a Saturday night, but my baggage did not arrive. I know, I know. (laughs) And I was standing there in Cork International Airport at the baggage carousel, watching the conveyor belt go around and around and around. I'm looking for my suitcase. And it goes around, is it there? No, it's not there. (laughs) And it goes around, is it there? No, it's not there. And it's getting emptier and emptier. And everybody else is leaving the arrival hall. It goes around again, is it there? And I waited and I waited until I realized I was never going to find what I'm looking for. 
because I was looking in the wrong place. <laughs> Turns out my bag was not in Ireland, it was in the Netherlands. <laughs> Anyhow, got it back a couple of days later and uh, went shopping on KLM. But that's another story for another day. <laughs> but so often, isn't that what we do? You know, we look for life, but we're looking in the wrong place. We're looking for life in the pursuit of self. We're asking the question, what's in it for me? It's the conveyor belt of promoting myself or directing myself, but we find no life there. The conveyor belt of indulging myself and spoiling myself and treating myself, but we find there's no lasting life there. The conveyor belt of reducing myself or, you know, limiting myself, deprecating myself. We find that there's no life there. According to Jesus, when we do these things, we're looking for life in the wrong place. It's like looking for your bag in Ireland when it's actually in the Netherlands. You know, it's not the right place. According to Jesus, true life, true fulfillment, true contentment, are actually find, found in denying self and living, picking up that high calling to live a God and others' life. And Jesus promises that as you lose it, you're gonna find it. As you let it go, you're gonna find it. To practically outwork these truths, let's be honest, it's a journey. It's a lifelong journey, it takes commitment, it takes time, it's that daily walk, walk. But a couple of ways that I've thought of to live a selfless life. Firstly, we need to stay prayerful. We need to stay prayerful. We need to come daily before our Father. Like Jesus told us to pray, didn't he? Give us this day, our daily bread. He told us this model prayer. He's, and he said, within that model prayer, he said, pray your kingdom come your will be done. And who knows, we can't earnestly pick up the Father's will until we've actually surrendered our self-will. In prayer, to pick up the Father's will, to pray the Father's will, I actually have to let go of what I want and let go of what I think in order to pick up what the Father wants and pick up what the Father thinks. Your will be done. To truly petition heaven, for the will of the Father means an abandonment of my self-will. So staying prayerful, staying daily in that posture before your Father is gonna help us enter into a selfless life. It says in 1 Corinthians 3 that as we behold Him, we become Him. As we behold Him, we become Him. So staying prayerful as we stay in His presence, staying humble at His feet, they're the places that He's gonna convict, He's gonna transform, He's gonna sanctify, and He's gonna give us the grace, amen, to put off that self-life and to enter into the God and others' life that He is calling us to. Another practical way to live the selfless life is to serve others, to get busy serving others. Jesus had so much to say on the topic of serving. We all know that Jesus was the embodiment of a servant leader. He was amazing. You could spend your whole life looking at all the ways that Jesus served humanity. And famously, Jesus said, if anyone wants to be great, he must become the servant of all. Who remembers that? It's how he lived his life and it's how he expects his disciples to live their lives. It's just another example of the upside down nature 
of the kingdom of Christ. We just read, you know, if you want to lose your life, if you want to find your life, you have to lose it. And here he says, if you want to be great, you have to become the servant of all. His, his kingdom is an upside down kingdom. And there's something about serving others. There's something about getting busy with someone else's need rather than my own need that works to just shift my paradigm. Amen. Practically speaking, serving others gets us away from ourselves. Sometimes serving others just gets you out of your own head. And that is a glorious thing. When we extend ourselves on behalf of a brother, on behalf of a sister, it helps us to redirect. It helps us to avoid that chronic temptation to make it all about me. It helps me to live out that God and others life that I am called to. And obviously, you know, we've called this Sunday Serve Sunday. There's so many ways that you can serve here at Nations Church and we'd love for you to do so because it takes an army. (laughs) And uh, I do believe it's a great privilege. But this message is not a shameless serving drive. (laughs) My goal really in preaching this to you is not for you to join a team, although they ma- that might be a result of it, but it's not my goal. My goal is for you to follow Jesus. <laughs> my goal is that we would be a company of disciples, amen. My goal is that we would take seriously the words of Christ to deny ourselves to take up our cross. These are not my words, right? (laughs) These are your Jesus words, you know, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross daily, to follow Him. Because if we love our lives, He tells us we're gonna lose them. But if we lose our lives for His sake, we're gonna find Him. And I wanna find that life. I wanna find that real life. I wanna find that eternal life. I want to find that God-blessed life that He's called us to. Amen? Amen. I'm done preaching today. I'm going to invite the um, band and, and singers to come back. Thanks for listening to the Nations Church podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com.